Welcome one and all to the Die by the Dice podcast. We're an actual play tabletop RPG in Starfinder. Thank you for joining us on our space adventure. I'm John, and I'll be the GM for this game. I'm Lisa. I play Kurslevan, an Avesk soldier. I'm Tom. I play Lycos 9, the Solarian android. And I'm Brent, playing Sparks, the Ahsoki mechanic. I'm Jessica, and I play Noemi Dimash, the Lashunta Technomancer and Captain of the Gep. So we've got 21 episodes of Season 2 so far under our belt. So what we're going to do here is a little recap to help new listeners get acquainted. If you want to just jump in, instead of having to listen to the entire backlog, you can join us now and keep moving forward with us and listen back at your leisure. It'll also be a good place for existing listeners if you want to just kind of refresh your memory. You know, as a lot of stuff has happened between that first adventure on the asteroid. So this will help you kind of get caught up to what's going on now. So I'm going to toss it over to Lisa, and she's going to go ahead and start us off. For our first episode, Gordian Solutions, we were introduced to our team, starting with our captain, Noemi Domash, in the office of Gordian Solutions, which is a company that will find solutions to what most people consider impossible problems. Noemi interviewed all of us and hired the rest of the crew. A few weeks of getting to know each other later, two job offers were made at the same time. One was from a Lushinta named Harvest to collect and deliver a case to the vast, and the other was from a dwarf named Tierna Voidhammer to go to an asteroid mining facility to stop out-of-control mining robots. I just want to say, Voidhammer should have been a tip. <laughs> as far as names go. That's like McBad Guy. <laughs> Count Von Bloodfeast. <laughs> we did decide to go with her job, so we took the asteroid job, and we took our ship, the Gep, and we flew out to fight robots. Once we got there, we landed in the docking bay to find all of the systems were down, and there were huge blast doors blast doors into the station that were on lockdown. Sparks powered up the hangar, and we heard banging on the other side of the door. That was our first cliffhanger. The second episode, Enter the Asteroid, starts with Sparks detecting some weird interference in the back of his mind, and he puts the power back on to the hangar. The control of the door came back up, and we could still hear the banging, so we we prepared to fight the robots knocking on the other side of the door, and then we opened it, and there were no robots. They were zombies. So we started fighting zombies instead. Kerr drew the first blood with her Dashko. Noemi hit with magic missile. Sparks got the first kill of the campaign by closing the blast doors and squashing a zombie. Oh, well, that's right. I forgot about you that. that? <laughs> Just squished him. It's gross. And it was the most effective I was for probably half this campaign. <laughs> <laughs> we were very, very level generous. one. <laughs> We continued to fight the zombies, and we noticed a violet light coming from a sigil above their heads, which dissipated after their deaths. We didn't know what it meant, so we just kept going into the mine. We were very very wary of the unexpected zombie thing. We were expecting robots. We got zombies. But we were still on the lookout for out-of-control robots, because we knew they were also around. We raided some areas, including the living area. We found some equipment and some weapons. In the next corridor, we encountered clanking footsteps. Lycos 9 and Kerr succeeded on stealth checks, which, frankly, surprised me. And they snuck up to hit the robot. Kerr crit and rolled well for a huge amount of damage, which destroyed it. Lycos 9 and Sparks decided that Lycos 9 would carry the drive with override codes to disable the other robots when we encountered them next. We kept referring to it as a USB. but It was a box, apparently. It was. We found iridium shards in the mine and collected them, so I don't know if we ever sold those, but we still have those. I think we sold those. Did we sell them? I don't remember. Wait, who had to recap that episode? I know, we'll get there. <laughs> I was going to say, uh, this maybe not the time to figure that out. Yeah. <laughs> Security cameras in the mine showed 
interference in the form of static and darkness, but we did mind we did manage to find a map that helped us explore the less the rest of the levels of the mine. The backlogs of the camera footage showed the beginnings of the malfunctioning equipment from twitchy robots to killer robots. And then the rising of the dead mine employees that weren't able to escape, now zombies. We approached a few robots, seeing that they were dormant, and Lycos 9 started sneaking up to try to disable them, but knocked into some debris, causing the robots to power up. The beginning of episode 3, the Al Control Cortex, was our robot fight. This was the first big fight that we had that got complicated, because the zombies, we just kind of whittled them down. The robot fight was when Lycos 9 climbed onto the back of a robot and tried to plug in the override, and that was an adventure. We were struggling as episode three, this is. Uh, we were all very low level still, so we kept missing for a while. But they did too, so it was all good. Kerr finally hit the legs of a robot, but was critically hit for a ton of damage. I think it was down to two hit points or something like that. Lycos 9 plugged the USB into the robot he was rodeoing and disabled it, and then leapt onto the next one and plugged in the code. Yeah, that was a badass in the beginning of this that game. That was really cool. <laughs> Noemi shot at the third robot and Sparks plugged in via his brain to disable it and learned that the disab- that the disa- and he also learned that the disable code wouldn't be permanent unless they shut them all down from the AI control room. Lycos 9 was bucked from the robot and stomped on and Kerr destroyed the last robot. Sparks pulled the power sources from the disabled robots and used one of them to convert it into a makeshift plasma cannon with a single shot. Man, I gotta do more of that. That is fantastic. You should do <laughs> we more of that. We were better at the beginning of the <laughs> <laughs> In our next encounter with the purple sigiled space zombies, Kerr used the cannon, tried to hit them when they were bunched up, and missed. Between, do less of that. Yeah, yeah, less missing. Between misses all around, we defeated the zombies and searched the room, finding a healing spell for Kerr, thank God and then went on to the AI central cortex. The zombie overseer took a shot at Sparks, who was yanked out of the way by Kerr. Lycos 9 charges the zombies with his attuned weapon, and the rest of the team attacked, ending with a headshot from Captain Noemi. Sparks started up the console and saw an AI hologram interface with a VHI label that told him to go get killed by the nearest mining robot. Sparks tried to determine the source of the interference, fighting into the system, hacking into the system more like. A hologram summon... No. The hologram summons giant robots that drill into the room through the side walls, and Sparks raced the timer to shut down all the robots before the massive drilling robots could kill us all. Remember, Lycos 9, you got through into a wall during this fight. Got oh, yeah, I'm pretty sure this is the first time I thought I was going to be playing a new character. Yeah, <laughs> we, we had to look up death saves and all that fun stuff. The computer, once we de-virused it, uh, and it didn't have the VHI label anymore, it told Sparks that the virus would reassert itself within a few hours and that the source of the interference was on the lower level. So we started episode four, The Corrupt Signal, by going down into the basement, and Sparks noticed the interference increasing in the back of his mind. We found a transmitter, and we removed it from the power cable where it had been connected, which cleared up the interference, and everything was back to normal. Buried in some rock, we also found a cylinder, ca- a cylinder capsule that contained a human skull with bone spurs and wires that was covered with runes. Lycos Melon tried to destroy it, but it didn't work. This is sounding oddly familiar now. <laughs> yes, you remember this? As the job of securing the mine was completed, we, contact- we contacted Tierna Voidhammer and explained the situation. She met us on the asteroid with her new workers, and we realized that the VHI stands for Voidhammer Industries, 
and that the mine was most likely taken over with less than, than legitimate force. She paid us and outfitted our ship, and then we headed back to Absalom Station. We also leveled up, so we are level two now, yay. Once we got back to the station, we had a message from Karak Varin, I think I'm saying that right, from the Starfinder Society, wondering if we were interested in exploring for them. Noemi invited him to the office to meet him, and they spoke to the Sheeran te telepathically about future work, possibly, despite Noemi's distrust of Sheeran. This is when you were going, gross, gross, gross. <laughs> <laughs> I remember that. Meanwhile, Lycos 9 took the transmitter to go see the PAX in a secret android place on the station. He gave them the transmitter to see if they can crack into it and find out more about it. We also got back into contact with Harvest, who wanted us to deliver a case. When we went to his place, we saw that the door had been forced open, and then he had been badly beaten. He explained that the job was now a recovery mission to get the case back, supplying us with the tracking information and gear from his warehouse. We flew off in the GEP after the tracking beacon on the case, coming across a trio of ships, and we prepared to fight a space battle. So episode five is our first space battle, Hack, Slash, and Grendel. The GEP. Wow. The GEP. The GEP traded shots with the enemy ships and fancy flying from Lycos 9, engineering and shield support from Sparks, Kerr in the gunnery position, and Captain Noemi both calling out encouragement as captain and being a gunner. After destroying the two smaller fighting ships, the larger ship called the Grendel surrendered, saying that they'd hand over the case if we spared them. Lycos 9 and Sparks spacewalked over to the ship to collect the case, and we entered the drift to head to the rim planets specified by Harvest to deliver the case. While in the drift, we came across a mysterious object, which turned out to be a sealed spacesuit with faint life signs. Kerr recovered the body and noticed that the suit was old from the Gap era. Sparks opened up the visor and the helmet was empty. As soon as he opened the visor, the suit deflated and Kerr immediately sent the suit back out into the void. A few days later, we saw anomalies in the computer systems and found abjuration and necromancy traces on the console. Sparks began communication with our ghost in the machine, as we kept calling it, and gave access to the comm microphone and speakers in order to talk to this entity. His name is Renault, and he was very confused about his situation, missing some of his memories, but he seemed to be previously uh, from a ship, a generation ship. He was an Arlaskan engineer from a really long time ago, possibly from before the gap and possibly from outside of the system. We set him up in the ship's systems as a sort of AI ship's helper, and he joined the GEP as a virtual crew member. All right. So then on to episode six, Rendezvous. So we were heading to the coordinates given to us by Harovist. We were heading to TXL863 Echo, which um, was where we were to drop off the case. So we found that... Um, our rendezvous point was in rocky terrain, so we were going to have to sit down elsewhere and walk to where we were going. We decided on a clearing kind of away from, from society. Um, when we got there, there, we found that there were a lot of tall trees, and it was much more, um, I'm trying to think of a word for like, like nature-y. <laughs> rugged? There we go. Yeah, sure. So we've, there were a lot of tall trees, and it was much more rugged and um, natural than being on Absalom Station, obviously. This is what real air smells like. Right. Nice and clean. So there were two separate routes we could take. We could either take the safe route, which is about 20 or 30 minutes longer, or we could take the more... Um, there was a route that where it was more unstable. So we decided we would just take the safe route to get there. 
Um, when we arrived, um, we saw a trio of buildings. There was a bar there with a sign that flashed intoxicants. And as we stood there about to head into to the area, Lycos 9 saw a glint in the sky. And we were met by an orbital bombardment. So after the large explosion and much damage to many of us, um, there was a humanoid man in a suit of antique armor. Um, he had one arm that was made of living wood, and he was surrounded by a lot of backup. Uh, Kerr was shot at by a Vesk, but fortunately they missed. Um, and then I decided that we should shoot and run. So Noemi shot and ran. Um, Sparks attempted to provide cover fire and wasn't very successful. Yeah, that sounds familiar. Um, Lycos 9 decided to charge the human man. And, also um, sounds familiar. <laughs> and he retaliated with fire magic. Um, eventually, we all came to our senses and everybody shot and ran and decided we would go back the more unstable way, hopefully able to traverse it while our pursuers would potentially, you know, fall to their deaths, hopefully. And what did we do? Somebody didn't get very good athletics while we were running. Yep. Somebody named Sparks. Yeah. <laughs> and instead, we were all swept up in a rock slide. We fly off the cliff. We are flung into a canopy of trees. And while we were there, there was a very large snake. Um, in order to get the snake to leave us alone, we started throwing rocks at it. Um, plan. Which it, <laughs> it actually worked. it worked. It, it drove it away. Um, night came down, and that was when we noted that there was shrapnel embedded in the case that we were carrying, um, and that the case was ajar. So Sparks decided to pop the case open. Mm -hmm. We all saw that there was a fist-sized red gem. And then Sparks decided to pick up the gem, which then immediately slammed into his chest. Should have seen that coming. And that's where we ended for episode six. On the next episode, Under Cover of Darkness, Sparks now obviously has the, chest, the gem embedded in his chest. We all climb out of said tree with various um, uh, failure <laughs> and success. There's um, a reason I got jump jets later. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you you did kind of fall off a rope and then have to be flung back onto said rope by like us nine. Around a lot in this game. <laughs> yeah. We also fall a lot. In this yeah. game. We do. Yeah. So we were trying to stealth our way through the forest to try to get back to the gap so that we could make our escape. Um, but while we're there, we hear while we're going through the forest, we hear voices. Um, we all take cover and we see three figures, which we learn to be a gnome named Snicklesocks, a robot called The Murder Chassis, and an elven drow which, whose name escaped us. Um, Lycos 9 attempted to stealth, but was seen by Snicklesocks. Um, and so a full-on battle ensued. Um, the things that I noted from the battle uh, were that Kerr, at one point, took 20 damage from the murder chassis. Ouch. The murder chassis was this aptly robot. <laughs> yes, aptly named robot, covered in blades, swords. There was no... There, every end was pointy. <laughs> so... Um, pointy everywhere. So you were down to one hit point. Ah. And then um, I think my favorite part was the murder chassis. It, when it was hit, it's faced turned into it had a face and it had angry eyebrows 
And then at one point when it got hit, I think it was fairly critically, across its eyes went, kill, kill, kill. And then the eyebrows got even angrier somehow. (laughs) (laughs) So at one point, Kerr did go down. Kerr was dying. Um, But we were... We were able to be successful. There was a very good... I remember Lycos 9 had a critical against Snicklesocks. And at one point, he knocked the the uh, gnome down and drove... What's the name of your open? It's a spear. And drove his spear down into his chest through the feet that were across his neck. <laughs> um, once we finally killed the murder, murder chassis, it said, error, error, error. And its eyes turned into X's. Which, again, was my favorite part. Um, and this was also the first time where the gem did its thing, where oh, yeah. it protected Sparks and provided the increased, uh, essentially increased um, stamina. Because when, when Sparks reaches the, when his stamina is depleted, it will refresh it. After we were successful against the gnome and the murder chassis, the drow was nowhere to be found. So we called down... Uh, to Renault to create a distraction so that we could try to board the ship. Um, we told him to go ahead and like shoot a missile and then provide cover fire. So a minute or so later, um, you, we hear that we see, you know, you hear the and then of the missile. And then we, we run to try to get onto the ship and all of us succeed heartily, except for Kerr, who I believe rolled a one. Yeah. Who then, Whomped onto the ramp on, <laughs> face first and got shot twice. <laughs> Almost dying again. Not my best day. <laughs> so we, we all successfully got onto the ship. Um, once we were in orbit, though, there were alarms going off. There was a ship that was locked on and there were missiles coming towards us. Sparks diverted power to the engines and then Sparks and Noemi tried to divert the missiles and Lycos 9 got us there out of there as fast as he could. It was kind of a chase between us and the missiles. Um, and then also the enemy carrier had released fighters. So we were kind of running against time. We had to, at one point, cut the engines to prepare for the drift. So we had about a minute where we were just waiting and hoping that the missiles wouldn't hit us. And just in the nick of time, we, we were pulled into the drift and then we were rocked by the missile explosion. Um, from the material plane, which actually ended up blowing out all of our shields. So that was a very exciting episode. (laughs) Space. Space. Um, Episode 8 was Return to Absalom. We journeyed through the drift for three days, and um, while we were drifting, we decided um, we would look for Kerr's doctor friend, Jakar, at Absalom Station to hopefully give us some information about um, Sparks' new piercing, as he put it. Um... (laughs) We also had a conversation with Har- uh, with Renault, and he wanted to understand more about home. And so we all kind of gave him a description of our different homes. Um, Noemi's from Castorvel, Lycos 9 considered Absalom home. Um, Sparks sort of dis- decided that the ship was his home. Um, and Kerr described the Viscarium as her home. So when we came back to Absalom Station, um, we were... When we were about to dock, we were uh, sent a message, and we were actually redirected to another docking station. Um, we were all very dubious of this, and um, but it we it was it was legitimate. Um, so we went to the other docking station, um, 
And eventually we learned that there was um, an accident at our dock that had to do with Iridin-12, who um, Lycos-9 knew as a quiet, uh, mousy uh, android, but there was... Um, that's all I have to say about that. Uh, <laughs> also, while we were um, in town, Lycos-9 um, asked about if Renault wanted a body, and, um, and he does. And Kerr helped to tap into the internet for him so that he would be entertained while we left the ship. Um, and that's when we also learned that Jakar is down in the spike at the lower levels of the Absalom, which is a dangerous gang area. So we just decided, you know, let's head to the Spike. You know, this dangerous gang area that we know nothing about. Why not? What could go wrong? So while we're down there, we see a lot of these inverted crowns, which um, everybody but Noemi, apparently, knew that was the Downside Kings, a violent gang that controls the area. We ran into a Barathu, which is a jellyfish-like creature, um, who gave us advice to follow protocol and get a referral. So we decided to back our way out of there. And um, visit the packs instead so to see if they had any information that could help us with the gem in Sparks' chest. Um, but Lycos 9 had to go alone, and the rest of us went to the office. Um, for Lycos 9, he found that the packs wasn't accepting any visitors at the time, but he left a message um, regarding the, the information. And while we were at Gordian Solutions, um, Noemi got a message from her sister. Um, that a girl, Kritka, was in town and wanted to be shown a good time. So on to the next episode, episode nine, Face the Music. We decided that we needed to visit Harovist and let him know what had happened on uh, TXL863 Echo. And um, we returned to his place of business. Um, the door was repaired now, but we heard a large barking dog um, when he let us in, he, we were um, set upon by Ravager, but Ravager was just a big, dumb, happy dog that loved on us and licked us, and he was not much of a Utterly guard dog. Utterly failed as a guard dog. <laughs> Utterly <laughs> failed as a guard dog, yeah. Um, so we decided to tell um, Harvest kind of about the orbital bombardment, about the case being destroyed, that we have the gem, but... And then we were kind of vague. Um, he then decided to pull out a gun to um, kind of motivate us to tell the story. Um, and so we did, uh, without much haste, because without uh, much delay, because the gun that he pulled out could have blown us all to kingdom come. Mm -hmm. um, and we let him know that the the... the Fusion with the gem seemed to be permanent and well into Sparks' chest. He told us he'll contact the client and asked us to stay local on Absalom Station and to keep Sparks safe. And he also let us know that um, in, in order to kind of thank us for staying on local, he would get us a referral for the Downside Kings. We also described to him the human that um, I wrote down as wooden arm guy uh, <laughs> was Dalen Ravain, a terrorist who had sought the Starstone and who was mad for magic. He advised us to tell the stewards that we saw him on TXL 863 Echo. And so we actually went down to the, 
to the headquarters. And we made a nice little joke that like, here we are going to the gang place. Oh, hey, let's go to the FBI. Why not? <laughs> so the stewards were law enforcement um, over Pact World Law. And we went in and told them we would like to um, report a terrorist sighting. Um, we were then um, given forms to fill out. And there was the quip that it was bureaucracy, the game. Because we had to sit there for like 20 and minutes fill and fill out paperwork. Yeah. <laughs> um, Steward Ashanra was there um, and led us to an interview room. We told the story um, and they offered to have us be an, quote, asset in play, uh, which basically meant bait. But we, we declined. Uh, we did say that we would keep a low profile and we were given 300 credits for our, um, for our troubles. I really think when we get back, we should look into that terrorist that tried to kill us that we ratted out to the feds. Dalen Lorraine? Probably mm. not happy with us. Yeah. I feel like that's something we should not forget about. <laughs> Probably not. We were very, like, we, I remember we thought that he had caused the explosion in our, or caused the accident at our uh, docking station. But yeah. it, the timing-wise, it wouldn't have worked out. So it, it didn't mean we were paranoid about it. <laughs> no, we were very paranoid about it. But it seemed to have to do, we found out more later that it had to do with the androids. So after we went to the stewards, um, I went ahead, Noemi went ahead and called Kritka and set up a night of hanging out and Sparks, et cetera, decided to research the dem and um, go to possibly the public library. And the episode ended with a knock on Noemi's door and there was a jangle. And that was where we ended for the evening. So, on to, so there was a, a break there and we went on to follow Sparks, uh, Kerr, and Lycos 9 on their, quote, informational pub, pub crawl in episode 10. <laughs> Business expenses. <laughs> so Sparks wanted to check out about the gem, and Lycos 9 suggested finding a mystic. So they went to the bar called The Greasy Gear, uh, talked to the bartender, asked if she knew any mystics. Um, she said that she would get in touch with some. Um, and then they decided... Since that was kind of a dead end, they went to the Absalom Archive Annex. Um, they ran into Lirana, who was um, a follower of Ibra the Inscrutable, who is the god of celestial bodies in the cosmos. Um, and she asked if they had spoken with any Urog, which are these crystalline creatures, and um, gave her them the name of B, who was a priestess and staying in the eye. Now, before that, though, Sparks decided to help Carson and Gall, which were a couple Yosokis, um, with their schematics for the mass projector, which was a weapon. Um, instead of really, like, he helped them, but he also took, like, pictures with his mind so that he could run to the patent office and patent it himself and take all the credit for it. Which, to my credit, I have not done <laughs> yet. <laughs> Um, so instead they followed, um, Lirana's advice and, um, went to a ho the hotel, hotel Warren's in the eye to meet B at the bar. Um, she, again, she was a crystalline crustacean with a beaked face. She was a priestess of Desna, which was, they determined because of the butterfly on her robe and her dreamer's blessing upon you. Um, she discussed about a sliver of blessed crystal that was given to alkalites um, but she said that there were no curses put on their crystals, but curses could exist. Um, 
they found out, um, at least through these blessed crystals, that they can't be removed, but they, those are broken down by the body and only there for a matter of days. So it seemed that maybe Sparks' gem was something different. Um, when, sh when prodded further from um, B, Spark came, Sparks came clean about the gem, and um, B told him that if he wanted to answers to seek out Rin Acrios, and there she saw like a floating castle and a void fortress. And um, that was pretty much where the evening ended. Everyone had headed back home with a variety of drunkenness. <laughs> On to my part, huh? Yep. All right. Uh, so we pick up with episode 11, A Night on the Town. Um, we open with the arrival of Kritka, who is a Kachartika. Am I saying that right? Yeah, yeah of okay. course. Um, basically, giant spider person, um, suitably terrifying. Although somehow Noemi, upon meeting her, seems unfazed by the rather shocking appearance. And after brief introductions, uh, they head out for a night on the town. Uh, they immediately head over to a, <laughs> a sushi spot called Sushi Mountain after much deliberation and possible <laughs> sponsorship deals uh, <laughs> for our local uh, you know, San Diego sushi spots. But anyway, so um, while they're having dinner, Kritka expresses her uh, desire to escape her boring life among the, uh, or on the mining vessel, and she wants to explore the stars. Um, Noemi mentions that she might be suited to life on the GEP, and Kritka leaps at the chance to become the ship's first mate. Uh, depending, of course, on how well she gets along with the rest of the crew. Uh, after dinner, the two take a quick trip to the station zoo, where uh, we missed some very obvious Jurassic Park jokes as the sheep were released for a giant 60-foot lizard uh, for them to devour, or be devoured, rather. Um, <laughs> the sheep turn around and... <laughs> yeah, <laughs> crazy sheep in the space station. Um, but anyway, so they uh, they hang out at the zoo for a bit and uh, decide to then head over to the local dance clubs, where <laughs> Kritka's moves are surprisingly graceful and Noemi's are just plain surprising. <laughs> <laughs> um, but with Kritka's help, they actually uh, manage to, to have some fun dancing, and then uh, eventually, as the night winds down, Kritka gifts a warp weave scarf to Noemi, which is a very special magical uh, item that allows... Noemi to store her uh, Technomancer spells, in, or at least one of them, uh, every day. So that was a very, very handy gift. Uh, after, upon receiving that, they uh, both wander back to their respective quarters. The following day, uh, Kritka arrives at Gordian Solutions to meet the rest of the crew, and despite some initial uh, alarm at the prospect of a giant spider aboard the GEP, uh, and some questionable uh, hugging from, <laughs> from Kritka, uh, she's a hugger. She is. She is a hugger. Yeah, and uh, abject terror from everyone else, basically. But uh, her bubbly personality enthusiasm does seem to eventually win everyone over, uh, and she joins the crew. After everyone parts their ways to rest and recuperate after the last mission, uh, Lycos 9 and Renault enjoy a few rounds of a, a video game called... Is it vid game or video game in this? I don't remember. I think they call it vid game, right? We call it, I think we said vid game. Yeah, I think that's what it is. Uh, but anyway, there's a popular vid game called Blood Feast 6, uh, which sounds a little bit like a fighting game. We never really established that. It was a fighting game, Okay, yeah. yeah. Um, but it's anyway. better than Blood Feast 5. <laughs> uh, Lycos 9 purchases the gift for Renault, or, uh, or purchases the game as a gift for Renault. Uh, Kerr decides to go clean his weapons, and Sparks is hard at work designing the ship's med bay and the mass projector design that he uh, <clears throat> borrowed from the other Yosoki. Uh, and Noemi decides that she's going to rest up in uh, in her spare time. 
Following day, the group has a meeting scheduled with Harovest and his original client uh, named Ivala Grenade. Uh, everyone is dressed to impress, sort of, uh, when they are picked up by a very posh-looking shuttle that takes them to a sleek battle cruiser. Uh, they are ushered through the extravagant halls of the ship to meet Grenade face-to-face. Uh, Harovest is immediately dismissed, uh, leaving the group to face her alone. The episode ends with Grenade asking, So, where's my gem? <laughs> Uh, picking back up with episode 12, entitled Evala Grenade, aptly, uh, the episode opens where uh, the last one left off, with the group facing Grenade on her ship. Grenade is apparently already aware of the fact that the gem has, quote, bonded with Sparks, uh, and informs the group that the gem is actually a key that unlocks some kind of cosmic power. The gem was supposed to bond with someone else, one chosen to wield that power for the greater good of the universe. Instead, they got Sparks. Sparks manages to incite Grenade's wrath with his flippant attitude in the face of such cosmically important matters, prompting her to reveal her true form as a giant copper dragon. Tension in the room begins to dissipate, though, when the group agrees to take up the mantle of champions for Ivala's cause. Although what exactly that entails isn't fully understood. Uh, Ivala offers her support in their decision to take up the mantle and tells the group that they will need to survive some kind of crucible to prove their worthiness. Uh, Grenade gives them a means of communicating with her in a stone of far speech and tells the crew that they will need to await her call. On the way out, Nomemi successfully negotiated a retainer fee for the crew uh, before heading back to the shuttle. On the shuttle, Haravis provides the crew with a chip that will grant safe passage through the Downside King's territory. The crew proceeds to the lower levels of the spike, where they are greeted by the same gang member that saw them off the last time. Citing the protection of Volatus Nero, the leader of the Downside Kings, uh, the man immediately backs off and leaves them to their business, not wanting to cross Nero. The crew proceeds to a veterinarian office where they intend to find Kerr's old comrade Jakar. They eventually locate their qu- her quarry, but uh, they are preoccupied, so they head over to a local bar called Nancy's to pass the time. Shortly after they arrive, three heavily, heavily armed assailants bust down the door, shoot the guards, and attempt to rob the place. So, you know, pretty much standard fare for the Gep crew. A Tuesday. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry, second day. Yeah. Uh, that brings us to episode 13. This is a robbery. Uh, so, picking up where the last episode left off, Lycos immediately springs into action, launching himself at the robbers and kicking off the conflict. Uh, like there I are, do. Yeah, <laughs> sounds familiar. In, in typical Lycos fashion. Um... There are several casualties among the other bar patron as the fight drags on, uh, and it's eventually revealed that one of the attackers is wearing an explosive vest. Noemi takes aim and manages to shoot the detonator out of his hand, or more specifically, I think you actually shot his hand off. One of those. Yeah, with a uh, critical natural 20. Great yes. shot. Uh, yeah, with an incredible shot from her laser pistol is actually what I had written down here. But uh, the last of the assailants is eventually taken down. Uh, Sparks manages to defuse the vest and immediately stuffs the explosive into his cheek pouches. <laughs> <laughs> Shortly thereafter, a trio of Downside Kings members arrive to secure the scene. Uh, Kerr confronts them at the door, but Nancy indicates that they were actually supposed to be there. Uh, in the aftermath, it's revealed that all three of the attackers were also androids. Uh, Lycos 9 recognizes one of the attackers, the one that was beheaded in the battle, which I may have failed to mention. Uh, beheaded, and I think you melted his eyes out at some point. That is possible. <laughs> uh, anyway, you recognize him as Orion 6, a mercenary type, and another as Remy 10, uh, who was a kind and generous android before the attack, and this is very out of character for him. Wasn't one of them a teacher? 
Uh, yeah, it was Remy, actually. Yeah. He was like a kindergarten teacher or something like that, and he volunteered at like wounded animal shelters. And Soup stuff. kitchens. Yeah, and, definitely yeah. not the uh, robbing a bar in, you know, a dicey part of town type. John really laid it on thick about it. Yeah, you really did, bud. <laughs> Um, I had to make sure you guys knew that something was awry. <laughs> <laughs> Message received. Uh, so the episode wraps up with the entrance of Nero himself, uh, leader of the Downside Kings. Nero thanks the crew for saving Nancy's bar and invites them to speak with him when they are done visiting the doctor. It seems that the Downside Kings might have some problems that need solving. Uh, that takes us to episode 14 with friends like these. Uh, the crew finally meets up with Jakar, Kerr's old comrade. Uh, Jakar is a former combat medic that was exiled from the Viscarium, so she has to resort to under-the-table work for the Downside Kings. Uh, the crew offers her a chance to join uh, the crew of the Gap, but she doesn't seem too enthusiastic about working with Kerr for some reason. Sparks tries to convince her that she can do better, but Jakar seems to take offense at uh, his suggestion that perhaps her current uh, digs were not necessarily up to par. Um, so the crew decides to leave. On the way out, Kritka calls and suggests that uh, she should maybe stay on the ship instead of a, wasting money on a hotel. Uh, so everyone agrees, and uh, they call Renault to let him know that she's on her way. Uh, so on the way back, the crew does decide that eventually it might be a good idea not to piss off the uh, gang leader in the area, and that they probably shouldn't ignore his invitation. So we head over to uh, see what he wanted. On the way, Lycos 9 receives a call and kind of bluntly states that he has to leave, and says bye and walks off, uh, but the rest of the crew goes to visit Nero at his place of business, a chop shop down in the spike. Uh, Nero mentions that there's an object in Absec's possession that he would like to reacquire. Um, he thinks that the crew would be the perfect group to perform the job as they're relatively unknown to Absec at the time. We all know that doesn't stay that way for very long, <laughs> yeah. but at, the, at that at time, time we actually didn't know them too well. Uh, so, Nero offers credits as well as access to certain hardware that is generally frowned upon by station security. Uh, the crew is given a brief time to run it by the rest of their number and consider their decision whether they want to take the job or not. Uh, as they head back to the ship, they receive a panicked call from Renault, uh, who has just met Kritka, <laughs> and is understandably upset at her appearance. Uh, the crew assures him that they're on their way. Uh, when everyone arrives back to the ship, uh, first of all, everyone notes that the ship's upgrades are well underway, and that Kritka has uh, made herself at home in one of the unused bays of the ship since the crew quarters were all taken. A uh, couple things of note, she has managed to put up a funnel web in a corner, and uh, what John described as a sexy fireman spider poster uh, <laughs> has gone up on the wall. Uh, Noemi explains that Renault is essentially a ghost, which she surprisingly takes in stride, uh, and that he happens to be arachnophobic, which is obviously upsetting. Uh, Kerr goes to visit Renault where he has hidden himself and puts him at ease and then invites him to come and meet Kritka. Turns out they share an interest in video gaming and uh, they have a chance to bond over a couple of rounds of Blood Feast 6. As the crew meets to discuss their decision with the Downside Kings, suddenly the ship is rocked by some kind of outside explosion, which is another cliffhanger. Uh, which takes us to episode 15, Star ah, Starship Panic. Uh, so it picks up right where we left off with the Gep under attack inside the hangar. Uh, Sparks dashes to turn on the ship's shields, somehow managing to do so. Uh, Kerr slams the doors closed just in time, and Noemi takes the helm in Lycos 9's absence. Uh, at which point we actually find out that Lycos 9 is on his way back to the hangar right when all this uh, commotion starts. So he starts sprinting to investigate. Uh, as the crew begins to fire up the ship, the station override starts to try to shut it back down, leading to a multitude of failed computer saves to try to <laughs> try to beat it. Um, 
Anyway, and then across the hangar, uh, a ship called the Gambit begins to unload with its micro-missile array, spraying the interior of the hangar bay and uh, taking its toll on everybody inside. Uh, at which point, Lycos enters the hangar bay uh, to find everything in chaos. He starts to make his way to the ship, but he slows to help some wounded people uh, struggling inside the hangar. Sparks continues to struggle with the station override while Kritka hails the attacking ship uh, and Kerr reaches out to station security, hoping for assistance, but no avail. Uh, sensing that his talents could be useful elsewhere, Kerr decides to leap from the ship to help any remaining stragglers in the hangar. Uh, Kritka does the same. Meanwhile, Lycos decides the best course of action is, of course, to charge the you know, attacking ship. And he manages to climb the landing gear to get aboard. Yeah, the uh, tracks. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he breaks, away, or breaks his way into the ship and decides to make his way towards the helm to confront the pilot. Uh, finally, after many, many failed, saving, or failed computer checks, uh, Sparks manages to defeat the override, and the GEP is now fully operational. Renault scans the gamut and discovers two synthetic life forms aboard, which turns out one of them was Lycos. Uh, Kerr leaps to the gunnery controls and fires at the gambit's weapon systems, but misses. Uh, Lycos finally manages to tear his way into the helm, where he finds a haggard-looking old android that turns around and seems to recognize him. Well, hey, Sev, he says before the episode ends. Uh, coming to episode 16, we pick back up with Lycos. Oh, sorry, that one is called Bridge and Sanctum. We pick back up with Lycos 9 confronting the android at the helm. Uh, he pulls the enemy android with a graviton power and stabs him with his spear. Fine, how do you do? <laughs> uh, which the android seems understandably confused by this and continues to address him as Sev before Lycos, I, I believe you word it as stirring his entrails with the end of your spear. <laughs> uh, yum. I wasn't in a good place at that moment, okay? <laughs> yeah, I was... It was pretty intense. <laughs> I'd forgotten about that bit. Um, anyway, while Lycos is stirring the entrails, the rest of the crew on the GEP continues to try to shut down the other ship. Uh, Sparks contries, or tries to convince the station security to give him control of the station override software. Unsurprisingly unsuccessful. Um, back on board the Gambit, uh, the android that Lycos is stabbing and stirring starts calling him Lycos <laughs> 7, which is interesting since he's Lycos 9. Hmm as he dies on the end of the spear. Uh, Lycos checks the body for any clues, and he finds an access card with the name Kendall Va, engine tech grade two, a signal jammer, and a remote detonator. Uh, he tries to access the ship's logs, but they're encrypted. Calls for Sparks' help to try to decode them. Uh, and then, let's see. So that's the end of this stuff in the Gambit. The Absalom Station security finally arrives. About time. Uh, Lycos 9 is, of course, aggressive with the security as he's, you know, all hopped up after just stirring some guy with a spear. You're really um, focused on that, aren't you? A little bit. It's pretty intense, man. <laughs> <laughs> uh, anyway, so they immediately tase you and knock you out. <laughs> Sparks arrives as he was summoned, uh, finds Lycos on the ground, says that he's part of the crew. Security immediately tases him as well. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wait, if I remember correctly, I think you got a little lippy, too. I might have. <laughs> might have just a little. Uh, Kerr arrives and immediately also proceeds to get a little bit lippy and before station security can tase her, him as well. I'm a her. Kerr's huh? a her. I'm a her. Oh, are, did, a her. I say, did I say you, him? I've been saying keep, him, haven't you I? You keep saying him, yeah. Oh, okay. Kerr's well, a her. Masculine Kerr's energy, I guess, is Kerr. I don't know. I'm are you kidding me? She's the picture of the best femininity. <laughs> <laughs> so Kerr arrives 
Uh, and they, before station security can tase her, uh, Noemi manages to intervene and sort of calm everything down. Uh, the crew goes to, with the security officers to answer some questions, and after a lot of investigation, they're eventually released. Uh, the Gep has been moved to another hangar. Lycos hands Sparks uh, everything that he picked up from the Gambit, uh, at which point Sparks decides to clone the access card just in case. Uh, at this point, the Pax actually knocks on the door uh, outside the ship uh, and asks to speak with Lycos 9. Lycos invites the Pax into his quarters, where we have a flashback scene to when Lycos saved the Pax from certain death at the hand of one of his power-armored guards, suffering from the same madness that has befallen so many of the other androids on the station. Uh, this all went down when Lycos had that urgent phone call back in episode whatever it was. Uh, but anyway, so... Fantastic recap. Yeah. <laughs> uh, after managing to defeat the, uh, the mad guard, uh, Lycos offers... The packs what little safety there is to be found among the crew of the GEP, and so ends episode 16. So episode 17, CSI Absalom. After the attack at the docks, the GEP has left Absalom Station to float amongst the Armada. A backup dock was given if we wish to return, but is further away from our home than usual. Uh, Lycos 9 reveals at this point to the party uh, that what they brought back from the mining facility may be the cause of the disturbance amongst the androids, as all the troubles started after the box was turned over to the packs and taken for studying. This causes some unrest amongst the crew, and Lycos ineffectually assures everyone he's not murder-happy or ready to stab anybody, but that he would let Sparks know first if he was. Uh, at this point, the packs is more effectively described to the group, since it's the first time anybody but Lycos has seen them. The Pax is a wizened, androgynous android that functions as the central figurehead of the androids and bears an archeo excuse me, archaeotech staff. Uh, at this point, everyone meets the Pax, and she details what she knows at the beginning of the android madness. Uh, the box was given to one of her techs, Navir, and he investigated it in a secure clean room that no normal virus could escape from. He reported that the virus in it was essentially about normal strength and was only designed to manipulate the robots in the mind, and was now inert and had been destroyed. But of course, he also hasn't been heard from since, so who knows how much of that was a lie. Uh, after some questioning from the pack, since she was at the center of things as people started to go mad, including her bodyguard, the aforementioned Rebus, uh, she assured us... Oh, real quick. Uh, sorry, uh, uh, they for the packs. Yeah. Mm. I thought you were, oh, they yeah. were genderless. Do you want me to go back? No, no, just... Yeah, no, that's my bad. I think we all sort of... Think of the Pax as feminine, despite being you genderless. You told me who you based the character off of, and no, it messed you up. And it messed me up because <laughs> oh, now I, I imagine it as that character. Yeah, sorry. Which is a her, the Pax which is, is a her. the Pax is genderless, and it is a mistake on any of our parts. Which mistake all of us, I think, have made at one point or another, where we refer to the Pax as a her instead of a them. Uh, sorry, they. Uh, inform us that there ha are no early signs to the madness overtaking the androids. Uh, Rivas had been functioning normal on duty, left for off-shift, and then came back murder-happy the next day. Uh, Noemi wants Sparks to investigate one of the corpses of the afflicted androids, though the only one that we know of that hasn't been destroyed is Rivas's. So the party is going to go investigate, hopefully to take some scans and retrieve the corpse if possible, but we all kind of know that might be difficult since it's got the heart of Absalom Station and we're talking about carrying a corpse. Uh, the PAX also gives us the address to Nevera's apartment so we can maybe, and the clean room, so we can maybe check out those locations while we're there. 
we all, after some discussion, decide to go to Rebus's body together. Uh, and once there, Sparks attempts to do a medical scan, and it is quickly determined that they're not doing anything, and we would need to do a more thorough autopsy of the body back in our medical bay. This leads to a rather long discussion about how to accomplish this, up to and including having the dead corpse ride Kritka through, and a plan not unto, like, weekend at Bernie's. <laughs> yeah. These were all shot down, and it resulted <laughs> in us chopping off Rebus's head, deciding not to stick it in Spark's mouth. His pouch. In his pouch, which is in his mouth. <laughs> Gross. Terrible idea. <laughs> you considered it. You, you did consider it, and this was brought up multiple times throughout this episode. <laughs> uh, we safely transported the head back to the ship. Um, or, we, we stowed the head away, and then Kerr and Sparks left to inspect the clean room, not wanting Lycos 9 to get anywhere near whatever the source of this was, since at this point we had no idea what its uh, infection path was. Uh, in the room, Sparks found a puddle of synthetic vital fluid. Uh, it appears to have been missed when the room was being cleaned, but beyond that, nothing of note was found in the room, but Sparks took a sample of the synthetic vital fluid. Nearing exha exhaustion, the party went to Nevera's apartment. After breaking in, the apartment appears to have been tossed. Accessing his computer, they used his social media account to discover the names of people he'd been recently in contact with. Names of note were Remy10, Orion6, and Revis. All people that Lycos and or the party have killed within the past day or so. Uh, two other names of note. One was Severo, a former mentor of Lycos's and known acquaintance of Noemi's. And one name at the moment wasn't important to us, Brianos Duvas, but would shortly become important to us. Having really found no other leads and on the verge of exhaustion, the crew returned to the Gep to get some much-needed rest. Episode 18, Use Your Brains, aptly titled. <laughs> After taking a much-needed rest, the crew of Gordian Solutions decided their next course of action, deciding to examine Rebus's head as it likely holds the clues of what is going on with the androids. After spending six hours bringing the still-under-construction med bay to a point where it was functional to do a medical scan, uh... And after making many checks, uh, sigils are revealed to have been burned into the brain matter. Noemi, sorry, Noemi recognizes the sigils as being enchantment sigils with an abyssal nature. Also, that there is a faint and latent energy that, if charged with magical force, could create an effect. Noemi tests this after Lycos 9 steps out of the room. Once charged, the head starts to function like a compass, guiding the crew back to Absalom Station. At which point leads to another discussion about potentially putting in a lantern, in a box, in a box, in a box... And it's decided that they're just going to put it in a bag in a bag. Um, the brain, not the whole head. Uh, at this point, Lycos 9 introduces Renault to the Pax in an effort to find out if the android renewal process could be used to help Renault. The Pax agrees to confer with him and see if he could help. John decided he wasn't going to play out this conversation despite how much we all wanted him to, to have a conversation with himself for 15 minutes. <laughs> but it was also revealed that Sparks has uh, bugs and whatnot all over the ship and is watching us and at this point that has never been actually contradicted so <laughs> sparks is a creeper via canon at this point <laughs> i forgot about that <laughs> why recaps are fun yeah. this is why recaps are fun uh and there's actually at this point that the crew decided how to shield the brain compass including a nesting doll of boxes lead boxes and while forming a plan to follow the compass or to visit uh Smathis, one of the uh names we've acquired Favoring towards following the brain compass, uh, it was pointed out by a few of us that these two locations may, in fact, be one and the same. 
Uh, at this point, the party returns to Absalom Station, arriving at the arms, and noticing that everyone is very clearly suspicious, specifically of Lycos. Probably likely because androids have been running amok in the station. Uh, they make their way through Absalom to an area known as the Rings, which is becoming more and more tumbled down as they get closer to the source of the uh, compass. It is quickly noticed by Kerr and Lycos 9 that they are heading in the direction of S. Mathis's address. Upon arriving, some Yasoki drug dealers blocked the path into the apartment and tried to sell all of us various types of drugs and uh, executables specifically to Lycos 9. Uh, most of us weren't that interested, and we pushed our way and made uh, into the apartment. Uh, though we did find out that S. Mathis had been out of business for quite a while. Upon reaching the apartment, uh, before entering, Noemi looked up S. Mathis on Absoc, learning he is a human man in his late 20s or early 30s, a cyber enhancement enthusiast with an aversion to shirts. <laughs> uh, after finding S. Mathis's apartment and hearing sounds from the inside, the crew pauses to determine if it's a conversation, spellcasting, or recording or TV. Uh, determining it's a recording or uh, something on some kind of loop, and that the door was locked, Kirk kicked in the door. Lycos 9 and Sparks managed to avoid the brunt of the blast, with Lycos 9 <laughs> grabbing Sparks and pulling him into a dive roll away. Kirk and Oemi were hit by the full force of the explosion. Whoops. Yeah, we were. Lycos 9 is one of the first up and enters the apartment after checking on Kerr and Noemi. Uh, Sorry, reading your name, it just looks like Naomi too frequently. <laughs> uh, checking for tripwires and finding none. Uh, he then explores the darkened apartment with Sparks close behind, uh, armed and equipped with a scattergun. Uh, shortly, Lycos 9 finds S. Mathis kneeling on the floor of the apartment. His arms splayed out, hands open, his cybernetics have been hardwired to the apartment, and his body has been flayed in places. His eyes are cut out, and the abyssal ruins are clearly visible. The virus box is hardwired into his chest. It's also at this point, after some questioning about the nature of the box, it is dis described again as being fairly nondescript and not the lament configuration that I was fearing in that moment. S. Mathis is the source of the talking, and he's repeating a very specific pattern of words. Once it has been established the party is listening, his mysterious voice starts speaking to Noemi telepathically. The voice warns Noemi to leave, and when she attempts to speak back, it lashes out at her and hurts her. Lycos 9 is sent from the room so he can't be affected by whatever is going on with the virus box. Shortly after, the sounds of Absex showing up causes the party to disconnect the box and flee the scene. Episode 19, On the Run. Resuming with the party trying to flee to, fire, uh, to a fire escape hatch, Lycos 9 is adamant about throwing Sparks to get things moving. Sparks jumps through the hole, flipping everyone the bird, and uses his jump jets to slowly descend. Noemi tries to quickly, but descend quickly, but people are still needing to wait. Impatient, Lycos 9 jumps down the fire escape, rolls incredibly badly, and then bounces off every landing on the way down before he hits the floor. Uh... Kerr more successfully jumps down and uh, dodges around Noemi, landing a level down. Noemi tries to keep climbing down, slips, is caught by Kerr, and then is there carried down the rest of the flights of uh, <laughs> stairs or ladder rungs. Yeah. Um, You're fearless, Captain, everyone. <laughs> unfortunately for both of them, this is a problem as the police robot that showed up starts shooting lightning at them, and... Noemi can't make any rolls to save herself since she's hiding, uh, riding Kerr's shoulder and Kerr is making worse rolls because she's got somebody riding her shoulder and they can't really dodge out of the way effectively. Uh, A comedy of errors all around. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, after determining that shooting the robot's a bad idea, Lycos tries to create a distraction by shooting a steam pipe. Misses. Shoots very, very wide. Uh, Sparks tries something more immediate, flying up and trying to dump garbage onto the robot, but is ineffectual. 
and then the police robot grabs sparks. Per the usual. <laughs> Noemi manages to distract the robot with her go- robot with her ghost sound spell. Her, due to uh, Brent's terrible luck transferring to Lisa's dice, falls off the ladder and hits the ground. I like even in the recap, we're blaming Brent's dice. <laughs> <laughs> all right, hold on, it, real quick. It was brought up quite a bit. Okay. <laughs> Eventually, we all end up on the ground and go running off together, trying to flee the android as a group. I'm sorry, the robot as a group. At which point the captain tells us to split up so we're harder to catch. Uh, everyone dives off in different directions with uh, Sparks deciding to go vertical. The robot follows Kerr uh, as she tries to ditch him by jumping over vehicles, running through traffic, uh, yelling at a bunch of uh, pedestrians that the, she's being chased by cops and they start kind of help form a distraction. And I think it was mentioned she wasn't the one that yelled F the police. That was Brent. That's fine. <laughs> um, Brett was the one that yelled that in the session. But uh, his address is. <laughs> <laughs> uh, eventually, she managed to make her escape by getting on a bike and fleeing the scene. Uh, the group gathers back at the get. Uh, Sparks attempts to investigate the box, but is unsuccessful. Party bringing uh, whatever information they've gathered back to the PAX. PAX isn't really able to give anything since she thinks she's missing. And after kind of putting some pieces together with the words repeated by S. Mathis and the names we found, we decide our next lead is Brianosa DeVos. Uh, we look her up on Absoc, the Absalom Station social, uh, social network, and after uh, doing some searching, find out she's a foodie and determine we're going to try to find her at a food truck event. Uh, Noemi finds a local food truck and the proprietor indicates that he does know Brianosa and tells us where she was last headed. Eventually, the crew locates Brianos' building, but having no indication of which apartment is hers, proceed to search every level using the words repeated by S. Mathis, uh, specifically looking for beige uh, as indicators. Lycos 9 actually is the one that uh, discovers the room because he keeps sniffing everywhere uh, and eventually smells the, uh, catches the scent of synthetic android blood and finds a door with knife marks gouged into it. The session ends with Lycos 9 entering the apartment, having learned absolutely nothing, and checking Brianosa for life signs. Episode 20 is Android on the Floor. Uh, we discover that Brianosa has been is lying in a pool of her own blood with bloody footprints. While Lycos 9 investigates the footprints, thinking Brianosa is dead, as he discovered no life signs, and then Kerr and Spark shortly discover she is alive and has just been stabbed repeatedly. Uh... Noemi decides to call the police, and we all are panicked because, or not the police, but specifically the EMTs, because we have a very chaotic history with the cops currently. Uh, once they arrive, we are held for questioning, uh, actually divulging a little bit more information than we had prior, that this may have been an attack by another android, uh, but are shortly after released uh, on our own recognizance, at which point we try to continue to pick up the trail of the attacker, but lose it in a uh, once it hits the street. Uh, the party returns to the GEP, and after returning to the Armada, are prepared to kind of try to re-download information to each other and discuss what's going on. But before we have a chance to even talk to Renault or the PAX or to, uh, process any other information, we are attacked by a small fighter, the Skippy Ramlet, to be specific. Lycos jumps into the pilot seat, taking evasive maneuvers, and heads back towards Absalom Station. The party takes to the guns, and Noemi tries to contact Avala Grenade to call an aid against the fighter ship. The party was unable to evade the Skippy Ramlet, and eventually it crashed into the backside of the Gep, breaking through its hull, which ends episode 20, moving into episode 21, A Reckoning. 
Uh, Skippy Ramlet rams into the gap, violently shaking everyone. Kritka is thrown from her gunnery position onto the deck and is gravely injured. Noemi wants to leave the bridge to get the packs out of Lycos 9's headquarters. Spark confirms the ship has been critically damaged in both the power core and life support systems, and the Skippy Ramlet is lodged into the back of the gap. Uh, it's determined the packs is probably not in immediate danger, as Noemi is fairly set on trying to make sure she's brought to the, the deck. They. Would, sorry, they. Thank you. Um... And as we are scrambling, Renault warns us that the Skippy Ramlet is powering up its weapon systems again. At which point, Sparks produces some of his pilfered explosives and proposes the idea of blowing the invading ship out of the hold. Noemi and Kerr retrieve the explosives from Spark and head to the hold. Before they can plant the explosive, the pilot blows off the cockpit and shoots Kerr with a grenade launcher. After his attacks, he can be recognized as Navir. Renault notifies Sparks and Lycos 9 that the pilot is attacking. Spark leaves engineering to run to the hold. After verifying that Renault can hold the course, Lycos 9 bolts from the pilot seat and bolts to the hold. Uh, at this point, we notice that something is wrong with Navir. He is crying and bleeding molten titanium. Uh, his arm is caught in the wreckage of the ship, and he rips it off to free himself. Uh, the party proceeds to fight him, which leads to almost all of us getting wrecked. Uh, at the end of the fight, both Sparks and Lycos 9 are on the verge of death. Uh, Kerr manages to land the killing blow, doing what Kerr does best by lopping his head off. I think you started that by the way. But you've done more. I'm just saying, like, episode two or whatever, you'd be hit a zombie, so. <laughs> True to form. Uh, so, once the fight ends, uh, Lycos 9 finally comes to and tries to get up to run off to the helm to reassert control over the ship, at which point we are contacted by uh, the stewards and uh, kind of telling us to slow down, lower all of our weapons as they're coming aboard because of the recent altercation and that is where episode 21 comes to an end all right so thank you for downloading all that <laughs> info um that's certainly uh, a little more concise than listening to each and every episode so far but you'll be able to find us every saturday um late saturday night early sunday morning uh every weekend we'll be uploading sorry join us every weekend for a brand new episode going forward we're going to be joining, jumping back into our Starfinder game next week. So you can find us, you can follow us on Twitter at Die by the Dice or email us Die by the Dice at gmail.com. If you could leave a review on your podcast listening method of choice, that would be fantastic. And as always, uh, recommend us to a friend or family member. That would be phenomenal. Thanks. Have a good one.